thank you again, uh, chapel team, for leading us in worship today. Worship through song, that is. Your piano player is really beautiful. I'd just like to share that. Some of you look horrified that I said that. It is my wife. I just want to make sure I don't... Just, just saying. Hey, I want to thank you. Um, uh, I heard a, received a great compliment uh, last week by someone who attends chapel regularly. They're actually not an employee of the college, but they're here often. Uh, I don't know if you know, a lot of people often just slip in for chapel because they want to worship with you. And they said in, in all their years attending here and worshiping here, they've never sensed such a reverence and respect uh, as they do this semester from this student body. So I want to thank you for that. Not only should, yes, thank you. Um, uh, so thank you for showing that reverence and respect right there. That was good. Uh, so thank you to that amen up there. Follow, let's follow, have the children lead us in examples. But uh, you've done a great job, uh, not only reverence and respect in all aspects, but with our speakers and everything. So thank you for that. Well, you've noticed, I hope, in chapel uh, this semester, we started with students that shared summer mission experience. And the way that they're serving, we had an international ministry from Papua New Guinea with Dr. McCoy shared. And this week, I wanted to highlight, one, a local ministry that I'll talk about in a moment, Seafarer's Mission. And then on Friday, we're going to have a young alum who graduated not not too long ago. He's not much older than you. Uh, He was, a, I think, a a physical education major and was going to go and hope and be a high school gym teacher and things of that. Uh, But uh, God changed his life, and he's taken that degree and what he's learned here, and he's doing some incredible uh, work. And I want you to hear his story story on Friday and the career he has chosen and how he feels God has called him to that because regardless of where we're called to serve, it's called to serve God, uh, whatever field you're going into, and you'll get to hear his story on Friday. But uh, I've also been looking forward to hearing from our speaker today, Steve Cushing. He is the director of Seafarer's Mission, and Seafarer's Mission is a local ministry here in Boston that is 133 years old. Uh, It is part of the Evangelical uh, Covenant Church, uh, a denomination here, and some of you attend High Rock Church, I know. Uh, They're part of the ECC Church, and this this is a wonderful ministry they have. Uh, Seafarer Mission welcomes and looks after the needs of workers, Uh, working seafarers who pass through the ports and waters of New England. Uh, They describe themselves as a frugal, nonprofit organization with good stewardship of the resources entrusted to them. And I was going to go into a little more detail uh, about the organization, but Steve's going to actually talk about that this morning. So let me just tell you a little bit about him. Uh, He has been married for 25 years to his wife, Sharon. His daughter is a student at North Park University in Chicago, and his son recently graduated from Boston University. And he said, due to the fact uh, that he has two children in college for their 25th anniversary, uh, they went to the movies. Uh, that's all they could afford. So uh, he is thankful for 25 years of marriage, but uh, he'll be more thankful when his, both his kids are through college. But will you please give a warm welcome to Steve Cushing this morning. Thank you, brother. Thank you, Corey. Good morning. So some um, points of uh, business. First, I've started a tradition at places that I've spoken, um, just something that I wanted to do. I take a picture of the group that I'm speaking to. So you all need to smile. I'm serious. Smile. You can wave if you want to. All right. Ready? And on the count of three, one, two, three, go. I'm, apparently, you took the reverence part a little too seriously. I need another one, and I'd like a wave, okay, because you're college students, all right? Ready? One, two, three, wave. 
Thank you so much. You guys are good looking. You guys are really good looking. That will be published on the cover of Time magazine probably for next week's episode. Uh, I was getting ready. Uh, I got up kind of early this morning. I was getting ready, and I was all dressed, and my wife uh, came out of the um, bedroom. Uh, She got up after I did, and, you know, she kind of had the the bleary eyes, and she walked out, and she took a look at how I was dressed, and she said, you're wearing that? And I said, good morning. I love you, dear. And she said, well, you're going to a college. You should try to look cool. (laughs) Clearly, my wife thinks that I'm still on the, you know, the highway to being hip and cool. I got off that interstate a long time ago, uh, now in a rest stop, hoping I have enough gas to finish the trip. Uh, I went to Gordon College and graduated in pre-1980, so that was a long time ago. Um, Do you all still play each other in sports? Do we all still kick your butt every time? No, okay. I grew up in uh, the, the Boston area. I was born in New Jersey, but I grew up in the Boston area. And before I started at New England Seafarers Mission, which was in 1998, I really don't remember seeing a ship in Boston Harbor, other than the USS Constitution, which we went to in school. Right? I never remember seeing a ship, a container ship, a tanker ship, any kind of a ship. I started in 1998, and it was a, I, just, I was a second career seminarian. I was in the seafood business and went to seminary and changed career and went to the ministry. And this uh, opportunity opened up, and I said, I need money. I'm hungry. I need work. I'm going to try for it, but I have no clue what it is. Went on the uh, interview and still had no clue after the interview. The gentlemen were talking to me and explaining to me what this mission was about. And I'm like, well, this sounds good, but (laughs) I don't know. He brought me on a ship. He said, why don't you come with me on a ship? It was a container ship in Boston Harbor at the time. I went on board, we climbed up on the ship, it was a huge ship, and I was fascinated by the bigness of it. I mean, it's stinking huge. And we went to the galley, and a crew member came in. And as soon as that crew member came in and saw the chaplain, who was the current chaplain, who was bringing me around on the tour, he saw him. A look came over his face which I have only described over these years as a look of relief. A look that said, help is here. Thank God, help is here. I called my wife and said, I want to do this. I don't know if they're going to hire me, but I hope they do, and I want to do this. They did hire me, and I've been there ever since. Nesim is a maritime ministry. New England Seafarers Mission is a maritime ministry. That is, as Corey said, we help men and women who work on board ocean-going ships. Those ships come into the ports of Boston and Providence. Those are the ones that we cover. In Boston, we cover the Black Falcon cruise ship terminal, and we cover the container terminal, and we cover uh, the points. There's actually some terminals down here in the Quincy Braintree area. I don't even know if you know that. Sitco has its terminal right over the line in Braintree, and we visit those ships uh, as well. And the question that I'm often asked is, well, why? 
Why did that seafarer have that look on his face like help is here? I mean, how many of you have ever thought about the man or the woman who's worked on an ocean-going ship? You all have cell phones right now probably, right? That cell phone probably got here by a ship. You all wearing pretty good shoes. You all got shoes. I don't know if anybody here barefoot, but you all got shoes. Those shoes probably came here by ship. You're wearing some designer clothing that came here by a ship. 80% of everything you and I use in the world was at one point on a ship. 85% on any one given day of all the ships that are at sea in the Pacific Ocean, 85% of the cargo that is on those ships belongs to Walmart. So if you think that your life doesn't really need a seafarer, it's not true. Because unless ships are on the ocean bringing commerce, the entire global economy would collapse. And yet the seafarer is often forgotten. The seafarer is often kind of left off to the side and just a, a footnote. Sometimes you see them in movies. Sometimes you see them in action dramas. You ever notice how when there's an action, there's a fight, and they're going down to the dock to intercept the drug lords that are running the drugs, and they get to the ship, and you never see a single guy who actually works on the ship. The ship is abandoned. It takes people, human beings, to run those ships. Seafaring is, the, is one of the five most dangerous jobs on the planet. You've probably all seen Deadliest Catch. Fishing and seafaring are four and five on the list of dangerous jobs on the planet. It is one of the loneliest jobs there is. Lonely. Men and women who sign to work on board a ship sign up for typically a nine-month contract. That is that they started, say, on September, whatever day you started classes here in September or August, They started their contract on that day, and they do not go home to their families until June. In the meantime, they are working seven days a week, sometimes eight, 12, 14 hours a day. They are on the the oceans and experiencing storms on the North Atlantic that would pretty much ruin your underwear for the rest of the week. They come here into the ports in the United States, and because of security collapses or security that is put in place since the collapse of the World Trade Towers and the Pentagon, although they may have a passport and they may have a visa to visit this country, they are not allowed to walk through that terminal unescorted. Those were put in place since 9-11. The People that make up the seafaring world come from just about every nation. It is quite a global outreach that the New England Seafarers Mission has. It reaches, I started started counting after my second year because I kind of got the sense that we're going to see a whole lot of countries here. And in the Olympics, I believe, in in the Olympics, I believe 198 flags marched in the last Olympics that we had. 198 countries were marching. I have met, in the 16 years I've done this, 156 nations. I usually, we interact between our other chaplains and with our volunteer staff, we interact with 20,000 to 30,000 seafarers a year, going to those 156 nations. So in essence, we are a global missions in the ports of Boston and Providence who bring in people from the four corners, from the all nations that Jesus talks about, 
And when they go home to their families, to their friends, to their villages, to their cities and their towns, one of the things that they say is, when I was in, and list your port, and we, for this argument we'll say Boston, when I was in Boston, a seafarer's mission came and visited us, visited us on board our ship. And they came so in the name of the Christian church has a powerful impact. Why do we need to visit the the crew members? Well, one, I told you it's a dangerous job. They need someone to come alongside them and to just listen to their stories. It's also a job that's full of of, of problems on board the ship. Many of the times we have to engage in advocacy with these seafarers. We have to work with them through employment contracts. I've been on a ship where the crew came up to me. It was a salt ship, road salt to keep the roads free of ice. It was freezing cold. It was a rusty ship. The crew members came up to me, and they're wearing dress shoes for work boots. They were from Russia and from Ukraine. And they came up, and they said, can you help us? And I said, what is the problem? And they said, we haven't been paid in five months. We immediately went into action and got some maritime agencies, legal agency involved. The ship was leaving that night, but we forwarded ahead to the port in Bremerhaven over in Europe, alerted them to the situation. The ship was arrested. Did you know that you can actually arrest a ship? The handcuffs are huge. They're really big handcuffs. (laughs) Arrested the ship, and that ship could not leave port until the company that owned the ship made payment to all the seafarers on board that ship because we dropped the dime on them back in Boston. That's the kind of intervention that we can do with these seafarers for the work that they're doing on board the ship. We also have a target ministry that is our cruise ship ministry. Now, None of you here, probably, well, maybe some of the faculty and staff might be old enough, the, the, the show The Love Boat. Most of you are like, what? The Love Boat, all right? It was a sitcom about life on board a cruise ship, and life on a cruise ship is nothing like life on the Love Boat. They are working 14, 16 hours a day, seven days a week for nine months. They are working to make the passengers have the best time of their lives, the best vacation of their life, so the crew members are told, you are not allowed to have a bad day. Now, everybody stop and think, when was the last time you just had a bad day? (laughs) This morning, since you got up here and started talking. (laughs) If they get in the face of the passenger, they're fired. They go home to Haiti, Jamaica, Dominican Republic, Romania. And for many, this is the best job they're ever going to have, and they're supporting their family with their hard work back home. It's tremendous psychological pressure working on board these cruise ships. And in our center, we bring the, which is located right at the cruise ship terminal in Black Falcon, the crew members come in and we get any number of services done for them. We transfer their money home because they get paid in U.S. dollars cash. So we transfer that money home for them. We have a small convenience store set up where they can purchase any number of things because they don't have the time to go downtown and go shopping. We sell them phone cards. We, we, just recently, we became a, a branded agent, I think is what we're called, of T-Mobile. Huh? Isn't that? That's why I got this really fancy phone. Uh, a branded agent of T-Mobile. It's a Galaxy Note S3. It's bigger than any of your phones. I'm on top right now. <laughs> At my age, I have to be something on the uh, cutting edge of something, and that's what it is. And we operate that cruise ship minister with volunteers, volunteers like you, and I'll tell you at the end of how this might be a way that you can help. But our volunteers will come in and will run these services, and the crew members come in and they send this money home, and they, they buy these things in the store, and they buy a phone card so they can make a phone call home to their family and just be in touch with their family and let them know how much uh, they're, doing, they're doing well or they're not doing well. 
One of the other things that we do, we're going to do it this coming Saturday, is we have a Christmas gift program. Working with the Women's Seafarers Friends Society, another organization, we put together 1,800 Christmas gift bags. They're called ditty bags. Um, first time we did this, they said, well, you're going to have to lead the ditty bag program. I said, the ditty what? What's a ditty bag? I thought they said something else. I'm like, I don't know if I can do that, ma'am. But they're just a small satchel that we put these little Christmas gift presents inside, and we give them to the crew members just as a way of letting them know that we still love them. There's socks in there, a T-shirt, gum, candy, pen, calendar, a Christmas prayer, a Christmas card. I brought these bags on board a ship once. It was a completely Muslim crew. And the uh, man on the gangway, after I had given the presents, he came up to me and he said, the captain wants to see you. I'm like, uh-oh. I went up to see the captain. He said, please, sit down, have a cup of coffee, and explain to me this story of Christmas. Because I'd given him a Christmas present. I didn't care that he was Muslim. I don't care if they're Hindu. I don't care if they're Buddhist. I don't care if they're Christian. I don't care who they are. We give them a Christmas present to let them know that God has not forgotten them. And time and again, that's the story that I hear from seafarers, that they feel forgotten. They feel like they have been pushed aside to the edge of society. Poverty is not their issue. It's time, it's loneliness, it's the fear of being forgotten. And when we come on board in the name of Jesus Christ to sit and listen with them, to pray with them, to talk with them, to help them work through an issue, to help them work through a problem, there's this overwhelming gratitude on their heart. And they know that they are beloved by God. This past winter, a year ago, I got a call from the United States Coast Guard. And the man on board, the man on the end of the phone said, are you coming on board this ship that was in dock at the time? I said, well, we were there, but they seemed to not anything. I think the guy left. He said, well, I think you better come back. We just saw the electrician on board the ship. He has an injured eye, and we think you need to get here because there's nothing that they can legally do about it, but they just were worried about this man. So I called our chaplain who had just come off the ship, and he went back on the ship. And he asked for the electrician. Got a little resistance, but they finally brought the electrician to him. And as that chaplain tells the story, it looked like he had a tennis ball behind his eyeball. It was so puffed out and inflamed with an infection. We called the ship agent and said, you need to get this man to medical attention right away. The ship was due to leave that night for Shenzhen, China, a 40-day trip. The man's eye certainly would not have made it, and perhaps he would not have made it. Such was the scope of that infection. The agent came on board. They brought the man to a hospital. Our chaplain went with him. This man was from the People's Republic of China. His English was very poor. In the entire trip to the hospital and the entire stay in the hospital room, he held our chaplain's hand and said, you're my friend. While the surgeon cut the eye, just like in Rocky, to let the infection out. Gave him 30 days worth of an antibiotic, brought him back to the ship. The entire time, the man still holding our chaplain's hand, saying, you're my friend. You're my friend. Sixty days later, that ship came back to the port of Boston. That electrician was still on the ship. His eye was still in his socket, thankfully. And he walked up to our chaplain and grabbed his hand and said, You're my friend. You're my friend. 
Matthew chapter 25, when Jesus is talking about all who are standing before the throne. And it says, Inasmuch as you have done it unto the least of these, you have done it unto me. For our chaplain that day, that seafarer from the People's Republic of China, was Jesus Christ. And our chaplain blessed the heart of Jesus Christ by taking the time to put himself on the line and stand in the gap for that seafarer. It happens time and time and time again. There's so many times that seafarers will come up to me and they'll say, thank God for the seafarer's mission because nobody else remembers us. It's a powerful opportunity for you to take part in, if you'd like. I don't know if... um, Are we going to be able to show that video? There you go. I'm going to show you this uh, stop when it says Seafarer's Story there for a second. Okay, stop right there. I'm going to show you this quick little video. This shows, as much as I went on that interview 16 years ago and I just didn't quite get it, I can't take all of you on board a ship. I wish I could, but I can't. But when you see the faces of these people, and this video is going to tell you a little story just about the faces and the, and the types of people that I've seen in the 16 years I've done that. And then afterwards, I'll tell you how you can help if you want to play that video.
tell me, lest I forget who I am to you, that I belong to you. Those are just some shots of some pictures of seafarers I've met in both the cruise ship industry and on, on board the industrial ships, also some volunteers working our seafarers center. Um, you can see up on the screen, um, there's our website. Um, you know, really boost my ego and um, go to Facebook and type in New England Seafarers Mission and like my page, all right? It'll make, go a long way from making feel, me feel good about myself. All right, I got insecurity issues. Sorry, that's just the way I am. Uh, there's our uh, email address if you're interested in any community service projects, outreach teams, small group teams. Um, when we do our cruise ship ministry from May through October, we need a lot of people to help us. Uh, it's a great time. You'll meet people from all over the world, and you will bless the heart of the seafarer, and you will bless the heart of Jesus Christ. Thank you for your time. I appreciate uh, you giving me the opportunity to share with you your great group of uh, young adults. Thank you. Well, I, I know that I've learned. Uh, thank you, see, I know I've learned a lot uh, this morning and uh, a group of people that we can often and have forgotten. So thank you for that reminder and I uh, hope that maybe some of you make connections with Steve. Well, in response to what God is doing through seafarers and what God is doing in our lives, can we please stand and close again uh, as we do as a response of thankfulness by singing together. Praise God from...